Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Hi, how you doing? I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And uh, we're at Brad's apartment. I thought Brad was playing with an Etch-A-Sketch, but it's <laughs> an iPad in a child protective enclosure. Case. Yeah. <laughs> it also doubles as a stand for those long plane rides. Nice. I like it. It looks very durable. It's. It probably is. It <laughs> hasn't been tested too much, but it does look ridiculous. It does look ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, speaking of ridiculous, we have a ridiculous podcast for you. And by ridiculous, I mean ridiculously f- funny. It is a good one. And amazing. Uh, today on the podcast, uh, we had, uh, Riley Gale and Chris Olsh from Power Trip. Riley is a singer. Uh, Chris used to play guitar and now plays drums. And, uh, they were in town supporting Obituary, uh, Obituary and someone else. Uh, who's the other band that played that show? Some other legendary uh, metal band. Why can't I remember this? I was, I was at the show. I don't know. I could look it up on my iPad. But... It's okay. They were just on tour with Obituary and some other huge metal band. Uh, they are actually currently on the road with Cannibal Corpse and uh, Gate Creeper. Uh, and yeah, I, uh, I kind of became friends with Riley through Twitter. And uh, he just seemed like a super... We just had a lot of the same friends and started chatting. And so we've been trying to do this podcast for a while. Power Trip is, has uh, become a really successful band. They uh, After this podcast, they actually won uh, Best Metal Song of the Year at the Loudwire Awards. They performed Motorhead's We Are the Road Crew with Hapreed's Jamie Josta. And uh, their song Executioner's Axe is the official theme song for a NXT TakeOver War Games, which is a WWE thing. And they're just on this North American tour now with Cannibal Corpse. Uh, so, yeah, they came by. This is an insane podcast. This is like the kind of <laughs> podcast I love. We talk a lot about drugs. We talk a lot about uh, faking being Jewish. We talk. There's an epic story about a party. I don't want to yeah. give too much away, but I, but I will say like there. this is a good mix, I feel like, of like intellectual, like heady stuff, Russian literature, and then just partying well, and then crazy tour stories like they, they them fighting other bands i mean it's just it's one of those that it, you don't need to know anything about the band or care yeah or even care about music yeah it's just good entertainment yeah they're just they're just super super good storytellers have just some insane stories i hope we can get them back um and you should definitely check out their new album uh nightmare logic it's just uh just super brutal really good catchy thrashy metal i feel like I was talking about the power trip the other day with someone. They were like, they're like the new band that like old school metal, like, like f- fans like, like, like 
like metal fans like, but also just like the old school guys that don't like newer right, bands. Right. They're like the band that like people are like, oh yeah, I could get into they this. They bridge the gap. Yeah, they bridge a gap because <laughs> it's reminiscent of like a band like Metallica or like these kinds of bands, but it's also like very modern. Like it's not throwbacky. It's just like they're just they're just a good band, right. great live band. Um, and before we start, I just as always want to thank Pulse Music um, for letting us record there. Uh, Steve Grawalski for for producing this and. Uh, if you want to do a podcast or do a music project, uh, definitely check out Pulse Music. Uh, we also need to thank all of our new patrons. Yes. As you should be aware, if you listen regularly, we have opened a Patreon account. That is true. Um, where you can give us monthly donations. And in return, you'll get things like uh, bonus episodes and outtakes and soon some swag. But go check it out. Patreon.com slash going off track. Uh, you can see everything that's there. And uh, you can also get to it from our website, too, goingofftrack.com. Yes. There's links. Um, thanks to all of you joined. Thanks to those of you uh, who continue to give us uh, payments through Venmo, which is great. Yes, thank you. Ed McNulty, who's I didn't forward it to you yet, but he's uh, sent some more interesting comments. <laughs> Check out Ed's band, Beach Slang. Very, they're a very good band. <laughs> Uh, we, yeah, we love Ed. Uh, thank you, Ed. I just talked to him yesterday. He's a, he is a, he's a good guy. He's a wonderful guy. Um, yeah. Check out beach Lang for check, sure. Yeah. Check him out They're They're, I feel like they're always on tour. Um, yeah. but yeah, check out beach Lang. We'll get them on sometime, but not today. Today's power trip day. So let's check out this episode with Riley and Chris from power trip. Mustache back. Yeah, me too. yeah, dude. I just, I just got rid of mine. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere. It just like uh, it, it just it, it looked like a dying caterpillar on my face. No, no. So like I give up. It was your first try. I need to shave like two thousand more times so it comes in thick enough. Yeah, yeah. Did you start late as a kid? Like you? I just I'm I just come from a family that is not very hairy. Like I asked my dad, and he was like, "Yeah, I couldn't grow a beard till like my mid 30s or whatever." So yeah, no, that's the way I am, dude. My dad had a big, thick mustache when I was like young in 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 like the like late 80s, but it was I you know he couldn't grow a full beard until I I I don't remember until like the mid 90s or something like that was when he would actually like rock a beard. So I've got a ways to go. But like my my younger brothers, there aren't any like. We just aren't hairy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe makes you guys more evolved. Because I hear yeah, right, like as, that's I hear. as yeah. the world gets more aquatic. We're going like, to get yeah. Yeah, more, more hairy or less hairier. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Like that we're one, all going to be like gr- that episode of South Park where they're all like gray people oh, yeah, yeah. and they're all hairless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that those characters in the, like the newer Star Wars. I don't know. The Star Wars everyone hates. The middle ones. Oh. <laughs> you know, um, that one like... Picard? No, that's Star Trek. The Jar Jar Binks era? It's not the Jar Jar Binks people. They go to this one planet that's all like all water they're very tall and dude, oh yeah slithery like yeah 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 they're, it's i like, believe the, it's like two dad is hanging they're out like there senates or so, they're like yeah, senators yeah those people i feel yeah. like people are probably listening to this getting so mad <laughs> why because people are oh, so into they know that stuff the they definitely know like, the answer oh, yeah. <laughs> they're this planet dick <laughs> I just, yeah i just called it star trek so <laughs> uh, yeah. i know a lot more about the movie Waterworld. yeah yeah than that if what you, do you, what do you know? Enjoy, well, you I mean, pick, it's a, you know. the, the lore in Waterworld runs deep. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And especially, <laughs> I mean, 
people talk about like renewable, like solar and all this, mm. like the desalinization of water. That's the future, Yo, man. What it is is wave is wave technology. Tell me more. So, like, the idea is: Have you seen those batteries? Those like camper batteries where you like throw them in a backpack and they charge based on the kinetic energy of your movement like you can charge the battery shaking or whatever so the idea is to make big versions of those that they anchor in the ocean and as the waves turn them up and down they generate energy free energy forever for life because the waves just keep coming it's it's um it's it's they i think it's called wave farming like wave energy farming or something like that and some uh, doing some Norway? like institute in Australia has one set up, like a small farm set up now, and and there's actually two or three way. Like it, they have solar panels on some of them. They actually collect solar energy, and then they have kinetic energy, and like something else. I don't, I don't know. But it's basically they just get knocked around and then harness that kinetic energy and feed it out into you know back into the mainland or whatever. That sounds promising. Yeah, I thought what I did, the way I found out about it was some guy. Came on Shark Tank, dude. That's how I found out. <laughs> okay, so you saw that, and yes. he was like, "This is my dream." And they all shut him down. Yeah. And I was like, "That guy's a genius." I was like, "Cubes didn't I go would, for it." Yeah, see, nah, that's dude. what I kind of thought because, like, he had a really great idea, and I was like, "This is really cool." And they were all like tripping on like the handheld battery thing, and because it was only like. He, you know, it was a prototype, so like he could only charge like a f- an iPhone up to like twenty percent or something like that. So they didn't get it, but like I was like listening to this guy. I was like, give this motherfucker like a a multi million dollar grant. Yeah, this is something that yeah. would like s- save the world. Did I you, mean, those aren't going. I have a feel, unless someone I, blows up the moon. We don't have to worry about did you that. See that episode? <laughs> There's a guy like that on Shark Tank who tries to make like a hurricane inside of like. I think I saw that one too. Like, yeah. I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank. I, 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 really I got back. I got back into it. It's 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 pretty good. I still, to, yeah, I, make a hurricane. I like that it. Created energy and gold. Yeah, but it had to be like I did see that one. Right, right. It had to be, like, yeah. Everyone was like, dude. But yeah. it's it's weird that they can't. They don't have the vision for like the scope of those things, especially a guy like Cuban. Because I like Mark Cuban. I like Mark Cuban. It's probably too much of a long play for those investors. They're like, this isn't going to pay out until I'm dead. Thirty years. Yeah, and they don't care about it. That's true. That's true. I like when he calls. Out the scams, though. That's the best. Yeah, when he's like, "This is bullshit." I, I, I actually when you I was can like, actually get on to Shark so, Tank with a scam. Well, they'll just be like, sometimes they'll let them on there, and they'll be like, "Well, this was already invented," or, or something they'll like They'll be that. like, they'll be like, none of these studies are your, like you're using aversion therapy or this thing that like you didn't come up with that you're just citing and like you're making these false claims. Yeah. Huh. But funny story about Mark Cuban is when I was a, a kid. We did the stock market game in school, and this was like right when it was, it's showbiz.com was the website he got huge off okay. of, right? The, like, okay. It was like radio streaming, I think yeah, is what he invented. Yeah. And I was just like looking in this paper because that's the way they do it. And they give you like, you know, X amount of dollars to invest in these companies. And I dumped every penny that I had <laughs> into his company because it was like whatever day that I looked at the paper was had the biggest gain on his stock. And I like won the state competition and got like third in the national. Whoa. And I didn't do a single move. Like the first day, I was just like everything into this company. And then I just sat around, and my teacher was like, "Well, you won state, you didn't do anything. Uh, here's like two hundred bucks and like a a trophy. And then now you get to like now you're in the national competition." And I was like, "Okay." And then like I just didn't do anything again. And then they're like, "Okay, you got third. And then I got like some other prizes and shit like that i was in like seventh grade i think Look but yeah then it came back around and because um cuban bought the mavs like three or four years after that 
I think you bought them in what, 99 or 2000? Sounds about right. Something like that. Yeah. So, like, just a couple years after that, and then I was like, hey, I know that guy. So, that's cubes. just the, yeah. You and Cubes. Uh, Did you see me the one Cubes where, go way back? <laughs> where someone calls him Cubes? Yeah. And he kicks him out. Jonas no. Dude, I think I sent it to Ben. He's not into it. Yeah, some guy's like, Cubes. And he's it. like, Did you just call me Cubes? Yeah. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> I, mean, it's little, I didn't know he hated that. I guess he doesn't love yeah. I guess like he doesn't want some dude pitching him. Like, it's like a respect well, thing. You know what? Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. too. But that actually makes sense because, like, uh, I listened to this radio station that's like a like a sports radio, but it's like a bunch of like chucklehead guys, and 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 they they call him Cubes. But when he he calls in, they're like very like, yeah, Mark, how's it going? Like they, yeah. they you know, they tone it down a lot, and they're pretty goofy most of the time. So he must not like that nickname either. But he might run for president, too. huh? Cubes. I'd vote for him. I can call him Cubes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I did write an email to Mark Cuban once. Did he respond? Because I've, I've heard he responded. Okay. Yeah, I'd read an article. I've heard that he's pretty said good about it. Mark Cuban will respond to any email. Yeah. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to write Cubes." I did. I did use the formal. Mark Cuban. <laughs> what did Mr. you, what Mr. Did you Cuban? write to him? I just wrote like, and I'm kind of into Mark Cuban. I yeah. think he's cool. So I wrote like, yo, you know, I'm a Nets fan, but you know, I like what you're doing over there and the vibe. Like, <laughs> cool, good work. Uh, you know, have this a good response. one. Condolences <laughs> yeah, was, on the Nets. <laughs> he he was like, this was still when they were all right. Okay, like, okay. this is not recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah. it's been dark, <laughs> yeah. bleak, bleak times. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, and I got a response. I don't know if it was, you know, from his office or dictated, not read. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, it just said, like, hey, you know, cool. Thanks for writing. Good luck with the Nets, you know, next year. That's cool. And, and, like, have a good one. I wonder if he still does that. Yeah. yeah I'm going to say what's up. I mean, it probably came from, like, a Yahoo account, too. I don't know if he took that seriously. Uh, I, one time I saw he that he still, like, yeah, had a Yahoo account, like, or something like that. What's his I had email a fr- address? I had huh? a fr- What's his email address? Don't remember now. I could go yeah. back into Just the files. Look at yeah. Yeah. Cubes82 at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Finley rules yeah. with a Z. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Are you guys Mavs fans? Ice cold cubes. Yeah, I like the Mavs. I mean, they, it, 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 it sucks kind of watch like they're not great now. I, I I'm a, a Pistons and Mavs fan and they're both pretty trash. But like I I was really into uh you know, the championship Mavs team. I watched pretty much that whole season. I went to the last home game where they basically they didn't they had they won in Miami, but it was like a huge it was like basically it's a, a big dagger. Upset. It was a dagger yeah. game. It was a uh, game five and then uh then they went to Miami and won it, but it was it was really great watching that whole run because they were you know they had Dirk but it was like a very much a like old school team mentality like JJ Barea contributed mm-hmm. a ton Jason Terry had huge like huge, shots huge. like like with the, the loudest I've ever seen any uh, stadium at a sporting event was uh, Terry hit this huge three pointer to go up like six points he, he hit like two back to back threes that just took all the gas out of Miami at the end of the game and like when that second one went off, it looked like a bomb explode. Everyone was just like deafening. It you was were in it the was stadium? cool. Yeah, yeah. I was I was like first row. My friend had gotten tickets because he like works for ESPN as like a production assistant when they come and do events in Dallas. And uh, and he had gotten tickets, invited me, and we were on like the first row of like the second spot, like right at half court. We had beautiful seats. It was awesome. Yeah. So. But Nick, our guitar player, actually got a terrible 
tattoo that is supposed to be like the championship trophy, but it looks like a fucking like Dixie cup with like oh, a that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. like the little Mavs like the M basketball on it. But it just looks it looks really bad. It kind of fits. it almost looks like he got it as like he is not a fan and lost a bet. Oh, <laughs> like tattoo. ironic tattoo. Yeah, like almost like ironically bad. I mean, in One the of, scale of like basketball dude tattoos, maybe it actually fits in. Yeah, because those dudes players have, have some bad tattoos. Yeah, tattoos. yeah they're yeah. the worst. I'm a Rockets fan, not a Dallas yeah, he fan. Is, yeah, nice, he's a Rockets fan. That's great. I'm times the only person ahead. in the what bright times ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. I Should hope be so. fun. I'm I'm the only person in the band that's not from Dallas. Okay, where are you yeah. from? I grew up in Houston and then okay. moved to Austin. Nice. Do you feel like is there like a Dallas bias in your band? Like Dallas rules with a Z kind of thing? Yeah, at gmail.com for, for sure. <laughs> oh, that for was sure. Cuban's email. That yeah. was it. Dallas rules. <laughs> Dallas rules. No, like, I mean, we say we're from Dallas, but like, we don't, we're not like sticking it in people's faces and stuff like that. You know, uh, I mean, everybody watches sports in the band and stuff. And like, you know, like one time, Nick wore like a, a a Cowboys jersey and at a show in Philadelphia, and then he took it off and someone like promptly stole it and probably <laughs> threw it in the garbage, you know. And then there was another time when we were on this Lamb of God tour where I was like, I was trying to like just bring some like lighthearted brevity to the show, and I was like, <laughs> "All right, Philly, we're all Cowboys fans. I hope you'll forgive us." And it was like. Yeah. like fuck it's you real. like yeah. lost the crowd and we did really well on that tour but like two different people go up to hood our merch guy and they're like man your band was pretty cool but as soon as he said the cowboys he might as well as Zeke Hild on stage and then like the other the guy, and then another guy came a completely different guy was like that might as well have been hitler up there to giving a speech and i was like oh my god so i learned my lesson there well, if there's don't... worst merch numbers of the tour also <laughs> yeah. worst, wor- worst merch numbers of the wow. tour like just just shot myself right in the foot on that one. I mean, I you know, my thing is I don't get emotional over sports. No, like, I like as it. you shouldn't. And I like good yeah. narratives and stuff, but it's like, if you get, like, it, like men who cry over football yeah. games, like, if, if if a certain, like, member of our band, if, like, the Cowboys lose, he's mad for, like, two days. Like, and uh-huh. it's, like, it's, like, a legitimate anger that he carries around with him. Yeah. And so I, I don't I don't get it. And, I, and yeah. I come from, like... Uh, my grandpa was a, a career college football coach, like all around the Midwest and stuff. Cool. Uh, like coached at like Iowa State, wow. uh, uh, Wyoming, like took Wyoming to a Orange Bowl one year. He was uh, the head coach? Yeah, yeah. Wow, he, no uh, he actually retired as uh, Wayne State's athletic director, Wayne State in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the whole athletic wing is named after what him was and his stuff name? like that. His name's Vernon Gale. Yeah, I never really got to know him. He died when I was two, I think. That's a beautiful college football name, too. Yeah, Vernon Gale. Yeah, yeah. and like I mean, perfect. we have some like gorgeous like photos of him coaching, like just these really cool old timey. Like, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. He's in a couple books, and like um, I've met you know a couple like uh, people that knew who he was, you know, just from like Detroit area, being like, oh yeah, I know, I, like friends who have gone to Wayne State, like seeing his name around and stuff like that. So, like, I loved sports from a young, young age. So, I guess I kind of got over that, like, emotional attachment to it, too. But If you could challenge any band to, like, a like a backstage festival, like, touch football game. Maybe not Ooh. even touch. 
Ooh, maybe <laughs> maybe some dude you want to go would, full we on. Would, with. We would be so competitive. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, it would that, be would, fun. that would get weird pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be one of those things where it like starts out fun. It's like wedding crashers where that guy's like whooping yeah. everyone. Like Nick would be like tackling people for real, and people would be like, "Yo, dude, chill, chill out." Hot and rod, then, hot <laughs> rod. <laughs> dude, I'd love to see you guys go up against integrity. Oh, oh. oh we would smoke integrity. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like, like basketball, got, football, whatever. You'd be a lot quicker. Yeah, I think I think we would dominate most bands in basketball you yeah. know like code orange i'm talking to you uh rock you in a basketball game yeah uh Shirts football whatever where blasts. you guys want to go yeah <laughs> try to think of like who would like outdo us yeah That's, who do you think would like out aggro you beat us lamb of god no no no, no. Um, too chill i bet turnstile is good at i bet turnstile is good at sports like they probably whoop our ass in, like they're all in better shape than us uh, yeah, yeah, there's got to be some yeah, band, you guys. Yeah. I see these the super heavy hardcore bands who bring their fucking like workout shit behind. Yeah, but you. those guys just have show <laughs> muscles, you know. It's like uh, they, you know, they don't they don't have any finesse on <laughs> the court. You we know? got the playbook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I'd be like Nick, you're gonna run a button hook, and I'm gonna <laughs> fucking dump that right into your numbers, and you're gonna fucking take off and get a seven points. Oh, boy. Annexation of Puerto Rico. Let's yeah, go. Annexation <laughs> of Puerto Rico. Uh, we have a special segment on this podcast. Yeah, oh great. Called Miss friend yeah and i got in touch with one of your friends and you <laughs> well we to, got we got to explain the game I've, I've, <laughs> so yeah so this is a game is, yeah i have a couple prompts here for stories okay um and you have to you can pass on telling the story but you should no i probably i'll probably okay. be full There's, disclosure i have a bunch of stuff and then you also have to guess who it who is the friend, so who the we friend got is. the information from yeah. this is so and this is actually game. an interesting one because this is a second generation friend this is a friend oh. of a friend Whoa. Love okay. that. This is someone okay. I don't actually know. Okay. But we have okay. a friend in common. Mystery friend. The first one is, what's on the Mexi Dips and Chips? Oh, is that like a, a quiz question? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the yeah. Mexi Dips are chips. <laughs> the Mexi Dips and Chips are from Taco Bueno. And it's like, they give you like a big pile of tortilla chips, and then they give you these tortilla cups, and they're filled with refried beans, queso, and guacamole. Oh, and you basically yeah. just go in on this like build your own kind of nachos thing that and it's it's like it's, it's like a, a taco bueno is like uh texas's del taco or something but i think it's better and that is what is on it okay it's combo number five on the menu yeah. if anyone's number wondering. Five. got it <laughs> what does the phrase the date july 4th 2012 mean to you so when you had that crazy party at your, at your old house. Okay, I think I'm starting to put this together. Yeah, I, 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 I had just gotten. I, I was I was living with this girl, and we had just broken up a, like a like a month before, and I was like super depressed, and so I just said fuck it and spent like six hundred dollars on this uh, on this fourth uh, of july party i had a big spongebob yes. bounce house with like a water slide gangster and it started at like 11 a.m and ran until like 9 a.m the next day and i swear every friend that i've ever had in dallas like cycled through the party at one point like my neighbors were showing up and we had like a, a, a we had probably trash going along our alleyway fence line that stretched for at least 20 feet just like there's a picture of a couple of us hanging out by it, but it was the most absurd party I've ever thrown in my life. It looked like it was like Project X. Like there, <laughs> there was a midget there at some point, and then and then like I a hired out. midget or just someone there to drink. So, no, a guy just showed up, oh, okay. and then like like even like the like straight edge like hardcore kids that I knew were like showing up because they were just like curious about this party. Wow. 
Um, there was like a, a what les- did they do? there was a lesbian couple having sex on my front lawn, okay. which I had never seen before. Um, <laughs> uh, what else happened at that party? There was there was just a lot of madness. Any animals? Uh, yeah, lots of dogs just hanging around. <laughs> um, uh, people were like smoking DMT in the backyard <laughs> and just like this 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 one girl. <laughs> the, these guys are smoking DMT out of this pipe, and uh, and this girl comes up and she's like drunk and she thinks she's hot shit and she goes, "Oh, you guys are cool. You smoking weed?" and like grabs the pipe and starts to light it and everyone's like, "No, no!" and she goes, "Oh, that wasn't weed." And then she starts to like sort of like <laughs> fall backwards really slowly, like very slow motion. I had to like kind of lay her down on the ground, and then she just kind of passed out and she was fine because. Um, it's something where you kind of like blast off and go unconscious and then you wake up or whatever. It's like a 15 minute, very intense trip. And, <laughs> but she ended up throwing up and then my dog came over and ate the throw up. <laughs> Which one? And then, <laughs> Tommy. And then, and then she just kind of like got up and was like, I gotta go. And then she still hung out at the party for like four hours later. And then two weeks later, she thanked me because she said it was like the most enlightening experience she ever had and felt euphoric for like weeks afterwards. Whoa. Yeah. So amazing. Huh. So that 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 was that party for sure. Yeah, that was July Come 4, on. 2012. DMT, also I think I might huh? know who this is now. Brad? No? Is yeah, okay. that, that was at the party? Yeah. The okay. next next one might help. The okay. next one is just called The Rule of Five. Oh. oh okay. Uh, uh <laughs> yeah. the rule the rule of five is is not our concept. It comes from our friend Will from Detroit. And he claims that the perfect buzz for any party is being on five different substances. Whoa. So you can just mix and match whatever, but it's like you don't really want to go over five. But use your imagination on what those could be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, well, you know, like, not like <laughs> any more I mean, than three. And I think that's and how I'm, many I've done. Like, period. All yeah. I've done five drug, <laughs> period. Yeah. Uh, well, and this is not including alcohol. Oh no, no, it includes. It's like it, it, like any any intoxicant. Like so, it could be alcohol, weed, and then see the thing use that's tripping me up about this is number five. Because there's yeah. to me, there's like he calls it booze, Planet Five, weed, <laughs> right, Coke, right, and then like some kind of like mushroom or acid, right, fairly standard, right, course. That's yeah. Well, in my world, combo, anyway. Yeah. But number five, that's dessert, baby. Well, maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe I guess you go some painkillers or something like that. You know. Like, that's whatever. Pretty, that's that, you know, pretty steady ketamine, that's right. ecstasy. You know, like there's a lot of directions that could go in. Because once so. you start getting the five, you got to get a I'll little. I'll be bold. honest. You I have visited bold. Planet Five, Planet Five, many times, and it's actually pretty great. <laughs> the scenery is wonderful. Uh, the altered state of drug abuse. Oh my god! All right, the last one I have is how Hood got his name. Oh, okay, so. For those who don't know, Hood is our uh, basically six member, like like full time merch art guy, and he got his nickname. His nickname is actually Neighborhood, and when he was uh, uh, in like junior high, he played football, and anytime they would get disciplined in football, the coach had this route that they would have to run, and he would say, "Run the neighborhood," right? Well, Hood was such a fuck up that the guy just kept saying, you know, he'd end up being like. Like, you know, 82, neighborhood. And then it just got shortened. Like, neighborhood became his nickname, and then it got shortened to hood. So it's like this old football thing. 
And uh, people are like, what, are you in a gang or something? And he's like, no, the story's way less interesting <laughs> than that. But yeah, that's, uh, that's how he got the name. Who do you think this is? Yeah, yeah you so you want to throw in a guess? Okay, my guess... Mystery friend. Uh, <laughs> I think I might have to say Charlie. Yeah, I think Charlie... Is it Charlie Wilhoit? Or, or Tuna. Someone that was at that party. Yeah, because the okay. Detroit question. I'm trying to think who would who would know five. Yeah, oh yeah, that yeah maybe Tuna, maybe Jonah. Does nice Tuna have one. another name or no? Uh, Zach yes. Duty. That, that's actually no. neither of those. Oh shit! Wow. Okay, let me think a bit more. Jonah, right. nice. Who would have been at the, <laughs> the nice work? The, the party likes Taco Bueno. Knows the rule of five. <laughs> And what was the other one you asked me? Oh, Hood's nickname. And knows Hood's nickname. Oh, my God. If he James? It sounds pretty... It's not James Kubiar, is it? No. Okay. Okay. I can tell you who connected us, if that would help. Okay. Oh, yeah, do that. I hit up Fred Presario. Oh. And he put me in touch with this person. Uh, that could be a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I guess that doesn't help at all. Um, was it Logan? Yeah. Oh, Logan. Yeah, it's Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good one. Good one. Yes. Nice. Actually, I should have seen that coming. Yeah. That should well, that should have been my first guess. Thank you, Logan. Yeah. That was a good. That, yeah. Those were yeah. Those, yeah. All, all those questions were all so, really yeah. good Thank too. You, Logan, I, very much. Logan yeah. is the only person that. I can think of that would put that much thought into something like this. And they the were way. really, yeah, they were really good. Yeah, we've been texting all day, like sending Hell ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he rocks. I love you, Logan. What's up? <laughs> Have you ever met Logan? And I don't think so. Okay, okay, yeah. Good luck now. Now that he's married, he's just a pure homebody. But yeah, he's he's a. Uh, he actually is from the same like suburban area in Dallas that I'm from. Okay, and uh, like. You know, remember back in like the '90s where there was like a huge heroin epidemic in North Dallas and Plano and stuff. I had friends from That's, Plano. L- told Logan me all is about it. Logan is like an OG, like Plano guy. Uh. Used to see like like a lot of that really dark stuff. I was a little younger, so so that wasn't just like an inside that edition was not, thing. That was that like was legit. a real deal, like problem. Yeah, because Plano is basically a like a middle upper class like suburb. And so, like, all these kids just had money and a public school system and nothing to do. And they just all ended up Bad on junk. So, yeah. Logan you, never was, though. So, he, he's great. Are you guys from anywhere where Friday Night Lights took place? Uh, where? Oh, shit. No, I think, I think um, Friday Night Lights is based on um, a, a small school north of Austin. I think it's I think it's close to Austin. My parents were really into that show, so I've seen it a few times, and I I, I can't remember the city, but it, it it is a real city. Like you know, like King of the Hill, Arlen, yeah, is actually a mix up of the first place I ever lived, Garland, Texas, which is a sub. It's based on two suburbs around Dallas, uh, Garland and Arlington. So okay, that's like a portmanteau of the two. Arlington's one where time. The one time, my play? mom asked me where is Arlen, Texas. Yeah. And I said, that is not a real place, mother. <laughs> and uh, I explained it to her. And she was like, oh, well, that's neat. So that means they're kind of from where we're from. And I was like, yes. yes it, it, and and it, it it is a very good depiction of Arlen and, or Arlington and Garland. So, yeah. How prevalent is, like, you walk into a bar, like, maybe, like, a heavy theme bar and, like, Pantera's playing? Is it- Pretty frequently. But yeah. I also don't go out to a lot of bars very often i'm not like a big social drinker when i'm home so but i mean it happens sporting events absolutely you're not going to a sporting event and not hearing pantera um but what do you like to do when you're home i, I like to just like read and hang out with my dogs yeah you know like 
catch up on TV and stuff like that. Because when we're out on the road, it's like such a social thing. You know, it's it's nice to go from like full on being like social every day with a lot of your friends and just people that you're meeting and stuff. And then when I'm home, I can kind of do this like isolation contemplation sort of thing. And so it's a good balance. And then if I feel like going out, you know, mostly if a show's going on and I've got friends from out of town and yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, when I'm when I'm at home, I'm mostly kind of just trying to get my like mental health back together logan mentioned that you're also a fan of russian literature is that true actually that's not true i'm more so into like uh uh french like postmodernist stuff now i i've read some some like russian lit and um uh my friend will evans who runs a a, a, a publishing company has given me some books that he does a lot of um translations for the first time like like having books published in english for the first time so He's got a lot of really interesting stuff, um, but probably the best book I read by him was this book called Sphinx, and it's this genderless love story from uh, 86, so uh, the woman who wrote it, Anne Jareta, I think is how you pronounce it, she writes it all from like a, a completely like, it's in first person, but they never use, it, like all the pronouns are gender neutral, and like you don't know... So one one character is a DJ, the other is like a cabaret dancer, and you don't know through the whole book whether one's male, female, one or the other. Huh. It's 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 super beautiful. It's a very really well written book, and uh, it was just published in English for the first time like two years ago. But uh, Russian stuff, I'm trying to remember what I have read. I've read some Dostoevsky, and uh, and uh, oh god, who's the other big one? I'm spacing right now. Um, but I I like everything. I just I just read like what friends recommend to me. You know, I had a big American lit kick for a while, and I was into like heavy critical thinking stuff. Now I actually just read a lot of comics because they're really easy to read in the van. It was it was getting too hard to read small text in a moving van, and so like comics make it a lot easier. And I think there's a lot of stuff you can say with it. You can get pretty deep with the medium, you know, because you have moments for like visual symbolism and stuff like that. And you know, there's a lot of really great writers who. You know, write to like pulpy fun stuff, but there's a lot of writers who like to write really deep. You know, are there philosophical any comics kind of in particular you like? Check I read. Out every a, I, re- one? I read a lot. Um, let's see, what am I reading right now? Um, I'm reading this this uh, one series called Pop Gun War by this guy Daryl Falrumple, and he has this very like ethereal style. It's almost like his his books have this dream logic kind of thing to them, and it's really cool. Uh, you know. Um, uh, it's almost like an urban ethereal thing. Like, do you just, get stoned? Oh yes, okay, uh, very much so. Um, so I, I I I like that series a lot. Um, I really like stuff by Brandon Graham, uh, Re- Rick Remender, and Jonathan Hickman put out a lot of material. But they're two two writers I really like. Uh, but I mostly read anything that's uh that's recommended to me. There's a guy. F- who's based in Brooklyn, his name's Michelle Fife, who does this series called Copra, and it's kind of like a uh, like a old Suicide Squad kind of like um, shout out like a lot of the characters kind of heavily resemble other characters from like DC and Marvel and stuff, but he just has a lot of like old school fun to it it's got like a very loose drawing style that almost looks like, you know, like your friend from high school who's really good at drawing but he presses everything himself, writes it inks it colors it cool has his own press but like i really like his series a lot that's probably my favorite right now but i could talk about comics all day i won't though 
but well, and you had kind of, we had been talking over Instagram or something yeah. and you had said you had been working on some stories I've got a few stories I don't know what I want to use them for the one big thing I would really like to do in some format is is write a tour story like I think hmm. people are really blowing it by not trying to do some kind of movie or or book that really captures what it's like to be touring in a modern band so like my idea is is really get a bunch of my friends together write down all the ridiculous tour stuff that we've happened and then it would it would basically the story would be about this like up-and-coming band that ha- gets a like a opportunity to get to a big gig and then they've got to like go on like a week-long tour to get out there and then you kind of have this spinal tap meets detroit rock city sort of like you know fiasco going on but you could deal with a lot of the like tropes and stuff that comes from being in a band you know like the insecurities that maybe like a bassist has or like you know like all these things like each member could have some kind of problem that they overcome that you know other musicians could relate to and then in the meantime you have a bunch of gags about what it's like to you know stay at someone's really shitty apartment or like you know all you want to do is go to bed and then you're surrounded by 12 people partying or whatever you know the i'll I'll tell you the idea if it were a movie this is how it would open it would open up to a wide top-down shot of a van driving through a desert and then it was at sunrise and it would slowly pan through the back of the van and you would see everyone like sprawled out asleep and stuff except for the driver and the driver is driving and also masturbating to porn on his phone uh with a towel over himself and then right as he's about to climax the passenger wakes up and he's like what the fuck are you doing and then he nearly crashes and kills everyone while he's climaxing and driving the van (laughs) which is based on a true story not from our band (laughs) not from our band but that is a true story but i mean it would just like that's a movie that would write itself you know i've like i've thought about that a lot and i can't figure out the way to like you know how sometimes it's hard to like explain to somebody who doesn't tour tour without sounding like an asshole right like because you're like it's not as glamorous as people right. think it is and that's what i would want to kind of get across is be like this Dude, is I've hard been, i've been working on this novel for literally for 20 years and the Brad, same idea generally yeah, yeah. but Brad i mean it's, somebody hasn't 70s. really picked that so up you know this, and it was all from this one moment when we were driving in the middle of the night and there was a fucking owl, a whitehorned owl, like three feet tall in the middle of the road. And we almost crashed the van. It was just me and one other person saw it. And like for three hours after that happened, I was just sitting there thinking about like how fucking surreal it was. How like people never like, you know, no one's going to first of all, no one's going to believe me. Yeah. <laughs> and like and then and then and then my vision of this movie in my head at that point was more like a. Uh, like really surreal art film, like just all you could totally go that, that happened, route too. You know? Yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things where there's so many like great untold stories that you could kind of like you know build a movie around. Yeah. Those are sort of the gags or the bits or whatever. But then you have this overarching thing where this band is desperately trying to make to some huge show that's right. like their big break or whatever. Did and, you see Green Room? Yeah, and and it, which is great because that was kind of you know obviously in like a horror direction. This would be more like a kind of comedy thing. But like right. they, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah. You know, minus the like siphoning gas and like uh, like some of the like a few things that were a little off. Like it should have been set in like the nineties, not in like modern times. But mm-hmm. I thought it was. A really great movie. Well, mine will be set in the 90s. 
See, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brad's going to have to do that because he tore it in like the Jim Crow right. South. <laughs> <laughs> he tore it. He had a lot of really That's interesting deep And mine is based on a big yeah. record deal. That's Instead of the gig, it's based on a big fat record deal. But so it, it has if, to be the 90s. I'll say this. If it were going to be a movie, I would like try to license all the music from Motorhead. And yeah. the band would essentially be playing like Motorhead tracks. Like maybe even call the band like Iron Fist or something like yeah. that. Because I think that's like the quintessential... Like, at least, like, you could have that be relatable where it would sound and feel like maybe like a metal band, but still sort of be kind of catchy and accessible. Well, I and guess. then even the theme song could be Road Crew. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect yep. for the, maybe that the title? That's exactly. Title? Well, I thought it could be a play on Spinal Tap and call it This Is Iron Fist. I like that. But but Road Crew would be really good, too. And that was, that's a song that have to be in it. Maybe you know? This Is Iron Fist. Colon, yeah, road, road crew, the road crew yeah. subtitle. Yeah, I'll see if I can get Christopher Guest to sign off on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you can't. Like, if I watched this film though, and I saw like, like fucking Channing Tatum was the bass player or something, I'd be pretty bummed out. Right, like, you gotta right. get some like. Uh, it would. It would have to be guys freshies. that look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> He'd be one of those like he could, he could be, he'd be our guitar like, player. He'd be a real he could pounder. Be our lead guitar player. <laughs> Channing Tatum would play in like a new metal band where those yeah. guys play just really See, slow, but like to pick their arms up super high. The music would have to be you so know? legit if I did it in like a movie form. But I've thought about like any medium. I just kind of want to start getting some of the ideas down. There's no I've way the dudes in Motorhead for... or have a lot of money. I bet you could get those songs. Well, I mean, a metal band is good too because you're gonna have a lot more like. The contrast between exactly. like a fucking hard rock band and then like doing your laundry, <laughs> you know? right? Yeah, stuff like <laughs> that. Yeah, more... just really simple stuff. Yeah. Or, or you know, like I'm trying to think of some other. I, I, I had like a few really good like bits to it, but I'm 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 spacing you don't right give now. Away either. Yeah, 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 I don't want to give all know. my proprietary material. Exactly. Away. No, no, no. Mark Cuban, yeah. Yeah. a lot of big Hollywood yeah. writers. Listen Back to off. The show. Uh, <laughs> And then I've got like so I've got one idea for like a, a a sci-fi thing that I haven't quite fleshed out yet. And then um, like I think one day I would like to write about my uh, I one time I faked being Jewish and went on a birthright trip for two weeks, and it was a really great experience. So I thought maybe one day if I'm really bored, I could like write a memoir about that. That's fucking. But funny. It, it, it was it was really eye-opening and like beautiful and like uh, not in any some like weird Zionist propaganda type of way either. You know, it really Wait, got out there. Were you fake being and... Jewish and went to Israel? Yeah, hell yeah! Wow, how old were you? Uh, it's impressive. I was 22. Okay, <laughs> so they don't ask for any kind of documentation. No, you just kind of. I I was just like. Uh yeah, I I'm from Texas, but I'm Jewish, and I don't know any other Jewish people. But I want to come learn about my culture. And yeah, like, you were like a blue unicorn. Board. They're like, yeah, yeah, come, yeah, yeah. people from yeah. every state. We need one oh, of you. Uh, the, but when I got there, so the, they they tell you you pay for everything. Just show up at JFK for the flight. But you know the IDF, it, like there's no TSA. You go through the IDF straight up, and you walk up there, and they're like, "All right, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you speak Hebrew? No. Do you read Hebrew? No." Are you Jewish? Yes. Have you had a bar mitzvah? Yes. Where? My parents' backyard? And they're like, that's not a bar mitzvah. And I was like, it was really informal. And they're like, go over to that line over there. And there was like this group of like 40 or so people they like profiled to go through their bags and stuff. And this is where, this is like the craziest thing that's probably ever happened to me. I was on the trip with two friends. One of them was actually Jewish and he was the counselor. He's the guy who invited me who was like, if you just say you're Jewish, I'll make sure you get through. 
And when you sign up for it, there's like a like an online form with a drop down box that says, "How would you describe your Judaism?" And like it's got all the like you know different branches and stuff. And then there's one option that says "Just Jewish." And I was like, "That's me." Yeah, bingo. So so I so my friend Danny invited me, but there's another guy from Boston who was also faking it. Uh, my friend Mickey. And so we Mickey get, the Jew. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah. Also, please, Woo. no one sue me for fraud or anything like that. Uh, I had a really great time. I learned a lot about the culture. It was wonderful. But so they, they, they separate us both. And this guy goes away and takes our bags and puts them on the plane, like a, a, an airline worker. And he comes back and the soldier starts yelling at him in Hebrew. And we couldn't figure it out. But basically what the guy had done was thought our bags were clear. They were going to go through our bags, but he thought they were clear to go on the plane. So he goes and puts them on the plane, comes back, gets yelled at. We didn't think of anything of it really, except that it was kind of weird. Then they ask us some questions. They let us go. We get on this like 12 or 13 hour flight. We land in Tel Aviv. Then we have to get in a bus and drive three hours to the top of the state we get into this hotel at like one or two and they want us to do like an hour-long orientation everyone's like grumpy and pissed off and just wants to go to bed so we're finally going to bed like around four or something the first night after traveling for the better part of a day and uh i'm like my i'm drifting off to sleep and i hear mickey start like screaming he's like oh fuck shit what, what the fuck and i'm like what what man? And he starts pulling out enormous fireworks from his <laughs> luggage, like mortar shells and rockets, because his friend in Boston <sighs> knew that he was going to be gone for the Fourth of July and was like, "Hey, take these fireworks and set them off before you leave." And he was like, "Cool," and threw them in his luggage and forgot about them. And this was some like take down a plane level fireworks kind of thing. And 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 if that. <laughs> airline worker hadn't fucked up and taken our, our our bags on the plane we'd probably be in guantanamo still or something like that so we did the smart thing and and set them off in haifa on the fourth of july and then we're like oh yeah those sound like missiles so we had to like run through the city for like two miles just to get away from the scene or whatever so uh yeah we accidentally smuggled fireworks into israel and somehow didn't get caught and let them off way I mean, to go idf yeah <laughs> Good work. Wow. Yeah. The illusion yeah. of safety, huh? That's mm -hmm, intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, it was really fun. I, I, I had a good time. There's some really good people on the trip. You know, um, we got to ask some hard questions and got some decent answers from people. And it was cool. It That's wasn't ballsy. like a re respect. I, I, you know, I had to fake the funk for two weeks. And there was this one guy who was like, uh, like a very, like, like, very typical stereotypical new york jew love the knicks kind of thing and like he, he did not buy it at <laughs> all like he was so on to me and and I, I was like i don't know what to tell you man like you know like i'm sorry but like someone told me i was jewish and here i am <laughs> so, but that's that's really what it was and like he kind of let it go but and then there was like a there was a really cool group of girls on the trip there from like the Bay Area. I think they knew and just didn't care, you know. But I, I think they're a lot stricter now. But when I did it in two thousand eight, which is also the year they started, we started the band, so I had demo tapes and gave them. Nice. There's like half the demo power trip demo tapes are just floating around in Israel or in a, tr a trash heap or something like that. But that was that was like the first time I had ever left, you know, the United States. So it was a really it was a really great trip. That's fucking yeah, epic. I had a good time. But maybe I'll write that story down one day too. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really crazy stuff that happened, not just that, but yeah, it was fun. And so I'd hope to get something written someday. We'll see.
I uh, I saw you guys. We played a show together yeah. at South by yeah yeah a few years ago mm-hmm. at Red at, Seven at Red Seven yeah um, is that South by Southwest show? South by it Southwest was. in oh, okay. Austin yep yes and it was like some kind of Brooklyn vegan show but I remember watching you guys and I had a question like as like someone who's like a frontman or like do you ever like I feel like when you play an instrument sometimes you can just kind of like turn your back to the crowd or like not really feel do you always have to be like amped up do you sometimes just be like oh like i, I just gotta- i just don't feel right not you know there's days where i feel terrible and don't perform as well right but it's like to me you know uh you know i kind of it's not the best analogy but i always think of it like a professional athlete they have to go out there and they need to like play hard for the 30 minutes or so that they're on the court or whatever so to me like a set is you know my exercise for the day so i might as well go as hard as i can for the whole thing because that's that's what the people deserve as far as the show goes and we're a high energy band you know i mean trust me if if i thought i could do a band that was actually successful i would have picked something way softer because (laughs) it's hell on my body but like there's something that as soon as i walk up on stage it's just you gotta go you know you gotta go from zero to ten or at least try your best because you know, to me, those are the only kind of, for a lot of times, those are the only kind of shows that, you know, bring any excitement to me is when I know somebody is working their ass off, you know. Um, there's plenty of bands that I love that I won't go see just because, you know, I kind of know the show might be kind of boring, you know, something right. like that. So, I, but I've just always had this mentality that I just have to, you know, practically kill kill myself or break out my back, but it always seems to be worth it. And I think that it says a lot for the band and everybody else in our band tries really hard too. you know, we all bust our asses. And I think, uh, I think it, you know, I think a lot of people respect that. So have I'm you go- gotten any like crazy injuries or anything? Oh yeah. Uh, I fell off the stage at the Akron in 20, uh, 12 or 13. What was, what year was the Boston bombing? Was that 12 or 13? I don't know. I well, it, it was it was it was like a couple days before because when we were in Worcester was like a couple days later was when they they caught the guy All right. and um, but that's why I remember it. But I I had fell and fallen backwards off the stage and it's a pretty tall stage and when I thought I was going to hit my head, that's how long the fall was. So I kind of covered the back of my head, kind of being like, oh, I'm falling. This is going to hurt. And when I landed, I actually landed on the corner of the step going up to the stage Ooh. in my lower back. So all my body weight just went right into one point, basically Jeez. right where my spine and my kidney were. Ooh. And I bounced off of it. And it was the worst pain I've ever been in. It it had to be the closest thing to like getting shot. Like I thought I had ruptured my kidney. I couldn't I couldn't see. It was like I was white hot, blinded with pain. I thought I was gonna piss and shit and puke and pass out all at once. Hey. I somehow limped through the set. Afterwards, everyone was like, are you okay? Do you need to go to the hospital? I was like, no, if I drop dead, just get me back to Texas. <laughs> so my parents don't have some like insane New York medical bill, and I'm still dead. <laughs> so I, I just rolled with it. But, I mean, for a long time, it, it, it's really messed me up, and I still have a lot of chronic pain from it, but I just have to power through it, you know? I mean, I'll probably be in a wheelchair by 45 or something. And uh, we don't. I don't have health care, so it's it's. I have to do yoga and try and take care of it in other ways and stuff. Uh, but this tour so far has been feeling pretty good, so that's that's a plus. But some sometimes it can really flare up and it, it's hard. But that's the worst injury I've ever gotten. Um, one time I 
was headbanging and and hit Blake in the nose and broke his nose. Did it to uh, uh, Wetzel, our bass player, too. Do we have any other weird injuries? Have you guys ever had anything? to, like, fight anyone on stage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, there's this one time we played this festival, and we were playing before that uh, really shitty metalcore band, Suicide Silence. Okay. And Chris was actually playing guitar on this tour, uh, playing lead guitar. And we did this thing. We're just kind of, we just, we'll play these big festivals and we'll kind of like do stupid stuff to kind of prank them. So we had all these Cheerio. So we're on tour with Title Fight and they had uh, cereal on their roster. So we just, or on their, uh, like writer. Uh, the writer. Yeah, writer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, on their roster. On their writer. And, and <laughs> we, just, we just kept stealing on. their cereal. Okay. And then it got to this point where we had this huge cereal fight in the van and there was like, cereal and everyone's things for months i mean just months i, I, yeah, Nick, like inside, I was like finding inside amps inside, inside, inside like the cuff clothes, of my jeans backpack, yeah a rice krispie yeah. could be very invasive yes yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so we went out and bought like like tons of like honey nut cheerios and bottles of champagne and we were just throwing them around during the set and so at some point in time, I got my mic cord wrapped up in the stage light, and I didn't know it, but it belonged to Suicide Silence. So they showed up at this venue, set up all their bullshit, and then left, right? So I got it wrapped up in the mic cord, pulled the mic cord, it fell, and it broke. And so this guy that was in their crew was, like, really pissed off about it, and there was a lot of tension within the crowd with, like, some of the security guards and stuff like that, and... uh and so, like, this guy is is flipping off Chris, right? Like, like, behind, like behind my back. Like, behind his like back and then, and then to his face, this guy who works for Suicide okay. Silence. Because he's all mad that we broke this light. I didn't know I broke it, but whatever. And uh, and he, he's flipping Chris off, and Chris kind of looks over to his left and sees him. And he's in the middle of a solo and without <laughs> missing a note, kicks the guy. Yeah. Like right in the groin. And, and, and there's like 20 of our friends on stage or whatever, but this guy picks up one of the empty champagne bottles. It was in an, like an Andre bottle, so it was like really yeah, yeah. thick. And he like reeled back to hit Chris with it with Chris's Whoa. back turned, was going to like brain him Whoa. with this. And our friend basically stepped in and like, hooked up his arm and was like if you do that you're gonna die and like like there was enough people their crew kind of came up on stage and there was it got really tense and we're like if you do this there's like 200 kids it was in dallas so it was our home turf and we're like 200 kids are gonna come over this barricade your whole team's gonna get stomped out and someone's gonna go to jail for like attempted murder and you know like i had like a mic stand that was like ready to swing at this big guy and it kind of diffused and everything and the guy had to come up and like apologize to us but there's been there was another time in a south by southwest show where they pulled the stage like that the power to the whole stage Ugh. and uh kids were like about to riot and i had to be like well you can let us finish our set or we can burn your venue to the ground and the guy was just like fuck and then like <laughs> let us play two more songs or whatever <laughs> um but nothing like no like drag out brawls or anything like that um you know there's been a bar fight here or there over the years but you know it's usually just people being really disrespectful we don't go looking for trouble or anything you know some drunk guy walks up to you and starts calling you a pussy or something like that and you're like hey man stop and then they just keep going and it's like if you don't stop i'm gonna hit you because yeah. you're not respecting my words here and i'm not gonna let you sit there and insult salt me or something and then they'll say something about my mother or some shit like that i'm a little guy so people think they can pick on me but it's like you know my dad was kicking my ass from a young age i ain't as scared of like some guy because he's a little bit bigger than me 
But usually we're pretty good at staying out of trouble, or at least diffusing things. You know, never know. The we're UFC not a violent band, days? but we will hold our ground if we had to. Size means nothing. It doesn't. Like, it's all. It's you all about your focus. Up, you know, you get me in yeah. a leg lock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> through. I. I. This. This one guy. This is actually was really funny. I. I. I was in Dallas at this bar, and I met up. I, I had just seen two friends I hadn't seen in a while, and 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 my friend was buying us a round of shots. And this guy, one of them was a female, and she uh, and I was talking to her. I didn't know her for like ten years. And this guy shoulders his way through me, bigger guy too, probably about your size. And he was like, "Out of my way, cock breath!" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what did you say?" And he was like, "Oh, nothing, man. I just smelled some dick on your breath." And I was like, "And I was like, you're you're really you're really you're really funny guy. Like, I really I really like you. I think you're funny." And then I just headbutted him. Like, I kind of like jumped up and just broke his nose with just one little quick headbutt. And he like didn't do anything. He was just like. <gasps> You know, and I took the shot and I slammed it on the ground and then I got thrown out of the bar. <laughs> and it's tough. I'm standing outside and I was like, oh, crap, I really don't want to have to like fight this guy. And then he comes out with like a towel. But I was like, you know, you don't say that to someone. I was like, I'm just going to pop you in the nose a little. And, uh, and, and, and he comes outside and he's like, oh, really? I, I thought you were like creeping on my friend you know and i was like oh my friend kim that i've known for 10 years and and he was like yeah i just need to watch myself and like i'm sorry oh, it's like i totally <laughs> deserve it and stuff and i was like okay well we're cool like you obviously learned your lesson you know i'm sorry but like i've known her for a long time so well, they're these, yeah they're very depressed people who would people do that see me and they're just like with, yeah i'm gonna know? fuck with that little guy I'm very like, sad. no 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 <laughs> do you find i always wonder like you know i grew up around here and like being punk and hardcore around here like it's not you don't have to go very far to like find community right and you don't like have to go very like it's almost and i always wonder with people who grow up in texas and places like you guys grew up like do you find especially in all your travels that a place like that when you're growing up counterculture and punk rock like do you think you have to like fight for it a little more like do you have to stand up for so, it like a little more the generation before us they did mm-hmm. so when i first started coming to shows i saw a few nazis get stomped out but i would never had to get involved and it and was like was it was like around? one guy early 2000s okay you know but around the turn of the century i probably started going to punk shows around like 2000 2001 but then hardcore shows more around like 02 to like 04 and and by that time there was a huge um problem in dallas for a while and i'm sure you guys remember a few years ago about that guy getting stomped out in an old 97 show in dallas and he ended up paralyzed and stuff like it happened in front of his daughter that was really the literal end of that that guy went to prison like i had a friend who had to testify against him and he was kind of freaked out but at an old 97 show yeah of all fucking places yeah yeah this guy like this this dude was a noted skinhead, and I think he like dropped a hard R. and And this guy was with his daughter and was like, "Hey, can you watch your language?" And then, guy was a fucking asshole and stomped his poor father out. And, and it, it was a, it's a terrible story, but but essentially that was kind of like really the end of the that. So we didn't really have to fight a lot, and 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 the scene collectively got along really well. Metal kids and punk kids and hardcore kids always, you know got along and stuff like that so i never really had, feel like i had to like fight for territory or anything you know like maybe some drunk asshole rolls up to a show and says something wrong and and the thing is that i've learned a lot of places is is people think they can say whatever they want yeah you know people don't realize that some people will 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 you know 
they'll have a code, but they'll fight, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way it is in Texas, at least, yeah. you know, especially with a lot of the scene out here is like, you'll get, you know, three, four strikes, you know, like chances before someone's like, all right, man, I'm going to hit now you. I like, you know, most of the, the yeah. fights I've seen, someone is literally like, I don't want to kick your ass, but I'm going to kick your ass if yeah. you don't stop. And then it just boils over. So we got lucky coming like from a pretty well protected, you know, scene and and uh, w- we haven't you know dealt with a whole lot of incursions of anything like that even kind of rallies and stuff like that you know when we were in richmond uh coming from virginia beach heading to baltimore there was a protest that day and then wasn't there one in baltimore as well mm-hmm. and then there was like the juggalo march in dc so there's all this stuff going on out here uh, uh dallas we tried to remove uh i think a a a General Lee monument and then some guy got an injunction and kept it like it's still up or something like that but nothing too crazy in in Texas yet so I'm you know I'm from Cleveland yeah and I felt like the Cleveland scene was just all about shit talking so I felt like there weren't that many fights but like everyone's like a professional shit talker right oh yeah yeah people from (laughs) Ohio know how to fucking roast people and I really always respected that yeah um (laughs) What was I going to say? That's why Cleveland couldn't come to New York. (laughs) Yeah. For a long time. (laughs) That was a thing, right? Well, I think Cleveland couldn't go to a lot of places for a while. Yeah, but I think there was a big news. We talked about it with someone. I think maybe Charlie. Probably Charlie. Maybe Rogers. Yeah, right. We've had a couple cool. Charlie's awesome. I love Charlie. Yeah, Yeah. Charlie is. Yeah, it was pretty deep because I I mean, I didn't really know the details as a kid, but I was super stoked to go to this one Integrity Starkweather show. Yeah. And like all of the shows got canceled mm-hmm. only here only right like new york and philly in that area and it was because of like uh if you come here like we're gonna murder you yeah kind of we, we've and we DMS always love at the time was like you really you really guff so much mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, they kind of mm-hmm. did what they said so mm-hmm. i think you still do i mean nod I, your head yes because we don't want to get <laughs> anyways yeah uh, yes uh, moving on so can you tell uh, me i'm super stoked about the idea that you guys refused to use double double kick drum, mm. and yeah, uh, yeah, is this like did you set this rule? Um, no. Well, no, no. I mean, my like I started playing drums because or like learning punk drums, so it was like never really in my repertoire, and. I tried to learn and it just like wasn't clicking. Okay. And I kind of would disguise that as being like, fuck well, double bass. I don't really think it's cool. But there, there are some bands that I think use it very tastefully, like maybe obituary. We're not, a, we're not anti double bass. Oh, okay. But this actually, I mean, I'll tell was, you this. I'm never going to use it for this band. Yeah. But well, I, and I think it like makes our band sound like what it sounds like. Sure. Yeah. It, 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 it roots it in, you know, punk and rock and roll and stuff like that and he gets you know when we go on tours with bigger bands and they see his kit they're like man that that's it that's your kit they're like and, I, and, I don't know where to go and, on and this they, thing they so think it's they think it's fucking cool though they're yeah. like man that's respect you know but like uh when i when i first started the band i i specifically didn't want it in there and with our first drummer i told him that and 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 we worked around it and stuff but like Chris, I remember when I sent you like some of the Armageddon Blues tracks, you were like, I love that there's like no double bass in this and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I never really want to have it. And and it, it, we just have stuck with that ever since, you know? So uh, I it, don't really think there's much that we could do yeah, to it that would yeah, add something yeah. that right, needs right. to be there or I, isn't already there. Sure. It would just be a little too much, you know, a little gotcha. too much for our band. But yeah, I like we're, it. you know, not anti that, but just for our band. We'll never use it. You guys are almost like the uh, 
like the mutants and X-Men who are like Magneto is right, you know, like the ones who are like, <coughs> like wearing metal. But like, <coughs> fuck yeah. Kicks. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's a very traditional outlook. I just think that that's what, you know, really helps drive some of the riffs and the music and stuff like that. It makes it very kind of like galloping and, and, you know, head nodding kind of stuff, you know, it's. I don't know. I just it just works for us, you know. Yeah. Rather, and I think it also pushes us to do more interesting things yeah, with certain riffs and stuff like that. Right. You know, it's more like um, rewarding to try to do more with less. Yeah, sure. Than it would Absolutely. be to be like, what if I got this new thing and tried to use it as much as possible? So you're not going to add that section of rotos and splashes. And- I never now, said hold on. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's we got to get the rack system in. Yes. <laughs> you know, Arthur's been loving the Roto Toms. Our producer oh, yeah. has been like forcing Roto Toms on like the last three bands yeah. he's recorded with. Shit. He did the new Trapped Under Ice and was there's like Roto Toms all over the record. They Rotoed? They Rotoed. Wow. They Rotoed. <laughs> they did. Wow. They did. Yeah. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I think there's uh, uh, definitely Roto. Oh, yeah. Arthur did tell me. Uh, 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 there's Roto all over the new uh, like Cavalera Brothers record that's oh, okay. coming out, Could but of course that. there is. Yeah, well, of course there is. That makes but sense. I but less like tribal stuff, more like sure. wild sure. fills and stuff. I don't know. Tribal Roto. Tribal that's Roto. That's a good band yeah. name. <laughs> Brad, Roto's you feel like I'm back in the game, baby? Uh, <laughs> do you feel like I mean, with all this stuff kind of going on in the world right now, like obviously, like. Um, you guys are, are in some ways a political band. Yeah, definitely. I, I would mean, say we are, for sure. Do you feel like it's like a weird time to be doing that? The, the biggest thing is kind of weighing like the level of responsibility I should take. Like Now that I have a platform, because I don't consider myself a particularly articulate person, I don't think I could get up there and make a very like true, deep political statement that, would, that I would be happy with. You know, like touring with Napalm Death... Barney has that like on lock. He right. gets up there and 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 he and it's well thought out and it's well said. Even if the rest of his band doesn't even like agree with him, because he he's vegan and does like all like everything. Like even his phone, his TV, his laptop is all like the most like cruelty free stuff. And it really like made me think a lot. Like what level of responsibility do I really need to take on? And like, do is it my place to be trying to educate people or like, so I kind of take a very broad approach to it. I tell people, if you're going to believe in something, be able to argue it. You know, like I, I feel pretty confident, like, you know, when I write songs like, like divine apprehension or something like that, it's basically, I think I could sit down with a Christian and blow their worldview away. You know, if they have an open mind and, and, and I can, you know, sort of, you know, pick away at their faith a little bit. That's a lot of what, what a lot of that is. And I just want to challenge the way people look at the world or if they settle in something and think that they've got it all figured out. Because for me, I just roll with it that, that life is a mystery and that you kind of got to let it be. There's a certain level, uh, you know, there's things that we'll never know for sure, you know? So to me, it's hard to, to get out there and be really, really preachy, but you know, there's like really basic stuff, you know, like, we make sure that, you know, if there's some kind of homophobic stuff going down, we shut it down. Anything racist. You know, when when we did the Lamb of God Anthrax tour, there was some casual racists out there. And, you know, if some guy said something sketchy in front of us, we usually had a good deflection. Actually, one of them was like Chris or Hood, would we would kiss each other on the mouth. 
And it would just drive those people away. And it, it was like, you know, we don't want those people as fans. Or, or at least if they're going to come in. And, and, and I've had great talks with people who don't agree with my views. And I've had really enlightening conversations with them. But it's, it's hard for me just because I just don't think I've got it all figured out. So who am I to, like, tell these people how they should behave? But there's some stuff to me that is so obvious. Like, you know, I know it sounds idealistic, but, like, the fact that people give a shit about, you know, like but people that have people have problems with like sexuality and racism and stuff like that or, or like even like simple things like jealousy. Uh, it's like that stuff I got over in high school, you know, and, and I stay conscious about it and I try and like check my privilege and things like that. But there's like, you know, if if people really had the mindset of of trying to save the world, like if if it was like some Watchmen shit where we knew like the world was going to end, you know, because some aliens were going to kill us or something like that. And it was like or if some alien life form came down, and was like, if you guys don't get your shit together in 20 years, we're going to blow up your fucking planet. Everyone would figure it out. We'd solve world hunger. We'd figure out everything or we, or we'd blow ourselves up, you know, one or the other. But I believe that everyone could get it together, and 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 that that would create jobs. If you're talking about feeding people, that's still a job. The thing we were talking about with the wave energy stuff, you know, you have people in in manufacturing again. Like, there's there's always going to be jobs created to fit the needs of other people, but it's people just don't want to be altruistic. You know, they want to. I wonder. You know, make money, and I don't have a problem with people having millions of dollars. I think there's such a thing as having too much money, and I'm not exactly sure where that line is but it's something worth examining you know you can be addicted to anything you can be addicted to money and it's just sure. as, it's if not more dangerous than most vices because you're you know expressing your power and your your psychosis from being addicted to money onto other people you know do you feel the same way about religion because i found it you know it, it's an interesting thing i hear sometimes about and you even mentioned it earlier where you would have a conversation where you're like I feel so confident in in my knowledge of the uh, converse ideas to Christianity or something right. that I'd love to sit down and pick at a Christian's faith. But like how necessary for this idea that like a universalist idea that like actually like somehow nearly 7 billion people can get along Right. Like, so, like there is a reality to the fact that those people are going to exist with their ideals. Sure. Regardless of what you say or not. Yeah. And like, do you know have to find a way to to live with these people? Or are you on like a mission to change their minds? Well, so so my I'm not really on a mission to change people's minds. Like, let me let me say this. I was raised Catholic mm -hmm. and I never believed it. Like, even from a young age, just I didn't have that leap of faith. To, but but what I did learn because I went to really good schools that that kind of had a liberal leaning was, you know, Jesus at least had a good morality about him, you know, and if if most Christians really listened to what he'd have to say, they would have a much higher opinion of the religion overall because he was pretty open minded about everything. And if like the stuff that they they says was true about him sort of having concubines and stuff, he's clearly a pretty sexually liberal guy, too. You know, like all these notions that people have are really just stuff that's projected onto his image. Sure. But if you really know what he was about, he was he was about as, you know, commie as it gets, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And so my thing is, is, is if you're not, you can be a spiritual person. I'm a spiritual person, but mine's a very abstract thing where I just don't think that we're, 
I think it's arrogant to believe that we're the most highly evolved life forms in the universe. You know, and does it mean that like our life came from a higher source? I don't know. But I still think that there's a level of consciousness or being that we, you know, we still have a lot to learn. Yeah. And that's the thing that I tell people is like the the most basic thing that separates us from animals is our ability to learn, you know. And, and when you stop wanting to learn, when you think that you've got life figured out, that's where you start doing damage. You know, whether it's physical or symbolic violence or whatever, because you're trying to force your idealistic worldview onto other people. And that's where I really start to draw the line because I've got plenty of friends who are Christian or, you know, Jewish or whatever and really believe it. And and that's fine, but they have great hearts and they don't mind, you know, like they don't ever try and force anything on me. They don't mind that, you know, because I don't consider myself atheist and I'm not necessarily agnostic either, but as long as it's a personal thing. And if you want to have communion with people in a church and celebrate that experience, fine by me too. But when it comes to being an oppressive you know, power situation, that's where it's got to stop. And especially, you know, all the mega churches and stuff like that. And and I've had people ask me, why do you blast Christianity? Why don't you blast other religions? I was like, well, that's the dominant religion where I come from. And that's where I see the most violence. Your perspective. That's what, but it's just, that's the world I grew up in, you know, like, and I see that violence and I see people getting taken advantage of, you know, Joel Alstein duping people and taking their money and the fact that people aren't haven't caught on to that is just mind-blowing to me so if i can get people to you know question what they think is so true and so real then i feel like i've done a good job and people question mine and it's, it's awesome i love having my views challenged you know what about like you talk a lot about like redistribution of wealth mm-hmm. and things like that like that's another thing i wonder it's it's like that thing that idealistically it sounds terrific that we have so much and that we separated amongst this stuff but like how do we like physically get from a to b because you can't just like sit down with somebody with a billion dollars and be like listen man yeah this is what i think and like your words are just so impressive that he's gonna be like you're right just all this shit. Here we go. Like, it's just no, not going to happen. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And, and, and I know that. And, like, you know, I can daydream about that so all violence, day. So is violence, like, necessary I'm, I'm to not, achieve it? Yeah, that's, that's really tough, too, because, uh, you know, like, I'm not an economic expert. But, you know, like, I've seen plenty of people throw out great ideas of ways to redistribute it. Like, like Bernie Sanders has said plenty of smart, reasonable stuff when it comes to taxing and and there's people who are far smarter than me who could figure out how to redistribute wealth fairly. But you're right. It's 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 how do we get you know the super rich to be like you're right. I don't need four billion dollars. You know, and I don't know how to make people feel that. Maybe that is something where we have to kind of storm the gates and and but you know like you think about like we have monopoly law here and and it's never used but there's there's corporations so clearly run everything you know and like that's just a a simple corruption right there like break apart some of these monopolies and give the market some competition things like that and i know that's again complicated but i'm not the expert (laughs) but i can still sit there and say like this is possible sure this does make sense this works or something like that I actually remember when I was a little kid, I was on the way to school with my dad and I was talking about money with him. And I basically like said something like, well, why can't people trade stuff? And my dad was like, that's communism and it doesn't fucking work. And I was like, "Okay, (laughs) 
But, you know, I, we live in a closet socialist country. Right. What is social security? What is Medicaid? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is welfare and things like that? We the fucking all, roads, dude. It's, it's, yeah, the fucking highway roads. highway system is yeah, completely yeah. socialist. Public transit, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's crazy to me that it's such a, like, a boogeyman word to yeah. say socialist. But, but we already live in a socialist, hy- like, capitalist hybrid. So why don't we just um, embrace it more and make it work? And that's like... You know, that's what, like, uh, you know, Bernie seems to say. Uh, I like Slavov Zizek a lot. He writes some pretty cool stuff about that. And uh, I, I was really into Foucault. He says some similar things. But Foucault also is like, I don't have the solutions. I can just, you know, uh, deconstruct what's wrong, which is what I typically like to do, too. You know, I'm not much of a solutions guy, but <laughs> I can examine stuff and at least be like, well, that's fucked up and kind of tell you why at least. Sure. You know, I have a lot of really great conversations with my dad because he's uh, like economically conservative, but very socially liberal. So we kind of get into stuff like that all the time, and uh, and it, it challenges me to like think of how things could play out. But you know, I don't know. I'm pretty convinced that we're fucked. Do you? What about <laughs> to get down to it? I'm pretty convinced that we're fucked. I don't think. I don't know if there's any turning back. And that's whether, yeah. yeah. Do you? Uh, I know you. I, I've seen on Twitter, like, sometimes you'll post stuff that I'm like, oh, I agree with this, but, like, I don't think I would post this because it's just going to be a bunch of people sure. arguing with it's, A lot, like, it's so, well, my, not a lot of people know, like, my Twitter is very, my personal one's very incognito. Oh, gotcha. So, like, uh, like it, most of the people who follow me are people that I know, and then there's, like, some people who get lucky and figure out that it's me. But, like, you know, that's really where I'll dump some more, like, radical stuff that I don't want the band to have to feel like they defend or something like that. And that's sort of where I can be a little more subversive, I guess, if I want to be. And I'll post stuff that I don't even fully agree with, but at least challenges like thinking in such a way that, you know, or at least like something that makes me contemplate an issue or something like that. So, but you know, most people don't, don't know about my personal account and it's private and everything. Um, just because, uh, you know, I don't want to get the band in any trouble for like anything that I might say. And not that I say anything really edgy or anything, but I just don't, you know, they're not as political as I am, but I'm, I'm writing the songs about what I want to write about. And by default, that's what they end up becoming about. And I'm not going to back down from that. You know, I don't really preach on stage or anything, but I tell people, you know, if you're interested, read the lyrics or like, you know, almost everything has some kind of like book or like ideological reference or something like that you know i just mask it a lot more in kind of allegory and lyrical poetry and stuff like that but there's deep stuff there for people to dive into if they want to and then there's just the kind of catchy you know swing of the axe kind of just fun stuff but that's a completely allegorical song about how people are comfortable with paying to be numb in death you know like whether it's watching tv or growing fat eating fried chicken or doing drugs or something like that like you know, America will happily peddle you death, you know, a six pack at a time. Sure. And that's basically what that song is about is people, you know, happily ready to get executed, have their head cut off or whatever, if it means death is painless for them. So, but, you know, I tried to make it sound like a catchy metal song that could be about whatever you want it to be. So I let the people who want to learn more about them ask those kind of questions and stuff like that rather than shoving it down anyone's throat. So... You know, if we see something that's egregious or, you know, some behavior that we can't condone, we'll we'll call people out about it. But, you know, as long as, you know, people are there 
and accepting of each other and having a good time. We we want everybody to come to our shows, even if that means like, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, if you voted for Donald Trump, don't bother coming to our shows because you might come to a show and get challenged on something. And that's the kind of goal that I want. Or we might have a good conversation and leave saying agree to disagree. But it was really nice to meet you. You know, how you think you would do like in a room alone with them for like five minutes? Who? Donald Trump? Trumpy. Oh, I just whoop his fucking ass oh, you up just and down fight? the room. You just oh, fight? yeah, oh. no words. I just beat his all that. Wow. That was so good. <laughs> I My favorite part may be the rule of five. Fuck. <laughs> There's so many parts in there. <laughs> the rule of five is Planet five. purely myth- mythological. There's yeah. no way. There's just no way. I don't know, man. There's no way. You don't, you don't Maybe think, if booze you don't, and beer you don't think are you, separate. No, no. That's a, that falls under the alcohol umbrella Dude, for there's sure. No way, there's you, no way to do it. You never went to Planet 5 back are in the goose? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. I. You know what? I'm a guy that likes purity. I like to drink my liquor straight. <laughs> I like a good bourbon. Sometimes with a little piece of ice. I'm not going to ruin a good high by layering it. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you wouldn't you you how are you going to know what you're enjoying? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I I don't I don't, I was trying to think about it. I don't think I have either cuz there's a lot of stuff that that is just not on the table for me. So I don't think I've done it. I've probably been to like planet 3, maybe planet <laughs> 4. But uh yeah. But regardless, uh that was an amazing podcast. Thank you so much to Riley and Chris for coming by. Uh they're on know, tour now. Power Trip is on tour right now as we speak. They're, uh, I believe they're on the West Coast. They're on tour with Cannibal Corpse, and that's a North American tour that goes through the whole month. I think it's like four or five weeks. So check it out. If, if Power Trip's coming through with Cannibal Corpse, go to the show. Definitely check out their last album, Nightmare Logic. It is a, it's a great record. Um, yeah, thanks, Riley, for Chris, for making time before the obituary show to do this. Uh, thank you to Adam Mott, their manager, for helping make this happen. Thanks again, Pulse Music, for Thanks hosting again all to of Pulse our podcasts. Music for hosting all of our podcasts. Um, I'm going to throw out another little plug for my label, soundwave.com, uh, so- because I think my latest release from The Worried, while nothing like Power Trip, is the closest. There, I think fans of Power Trip will like the record. So yeah. go check it out. You can get it anywhere, Spotify, any streaming service. Or, or, or via Soundwag. Soundwag.com will Soundwag. give, you, give you some links. Yeah, Let's Get some links there. The also... Label. Shout out to Bailey at Grandstand PR for setting this up as well. Thanks, Bailey. Thanks, Bailey. Keep uh, up the good work. Yeah, and thank you to all our Patreons, Venmoers, and PayPalers out there. Hell yeah, couldn't do it without you. Could Seriously, not do it out without you. Uh, me and Brad just recorded a bonus episode. Uh, yeah, if you want to hear it, you got to join. Patreon. If you want to join, you can join. I think for what, like a dollar, five dollars, or something. Dollar just means that you love us. Yeah, doesn't get you anything. But starting at like three bucks. Yeah. You can get early access at five. You can get the bonus episodes. Yeah. So you'll, you'll there's going to be some swag and stuff, too. Yeah, we're working on some more incentives. But yeah, as of now, you're getting the bonus episodes. You're getting uh, you're getting episodes early on Monday. You don't have to some wait till Wednesday. Some ridiculous outtakes. So you're getting some amazing outtakes. There's a, a bunch we just uh, we have with Laura Jane Grace that uh, we've like a 20 minutes of outtakes with her. I don't know why. I put uh, Fleshlight up, too. Oh, great. Beautiful. <laughs> so it's mostly just highbrow intellectual stuff. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so thank you to everyone sincerely for for um, being our Patreons, anyone who's Venmoed us and that kind of stuff too as well. We really appreciate your support. 
Uh, thanks again to Power Trip, and we'll be back, depending on what kind of listener you are, we'll be back on Monday or Wednesday. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, we'll be back with another podcast next week. Thanks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.